0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Only on a Sunday, week six of Summer Vibes, can you wear a shirt like this and I'm supporting it proud let me just say it is loud and I'm proud so uh, anyway, we're in week six, and hopefully you've enjoyed the series. That's why all the inflatables are here, if you're just here for the first time. And uh, we've been in a pretty fun series, and week one did an intro, talked about summer being between uh, the, the spring and the harvest, and that transition in life. Uh, we also then did kicked off to sailing, and the Holy Spirit, the wind of the, the Holy Spirit blowing in our sails, giving us purpose, and actually sending us on a path to go. And then my dad, he preached on vacations and passing down to the generation's legacy, and then uh, follow that up with uh, the picnic, you know, and miracles, and uh, what it was to feed 5,000. And then last week, they campfires and fireflies. So if you've missed any of them, just get on Vimeo, get on podcasts find them. It's been a lot of fun, and honestly, I thought it was going to be kind of a light series. It's been pretty deep. The Lord's taken us really deeper through this process, so, but it's still going to be fun. So um, today, it's going to be summer love, all right? And uh, summer's a fun time of year, but it's wedding season, all right? Went to a wedding a couple weeks ago, and it was just really beautiful. I'll share a story at the end about that and uh, with some beautiful people, but, uh, you know, I, Nicole and I, we started dating. Our first date was in the summer, and it didn't go well. We didn't date again for six more months. She said she went home to tell her mom she hated me, wanted nothing else to do with me. But then a year later, we shared our first kiss in the summer. And then a couple weeks ago, we celebrated 16 years for being married in the summer. But uh, let me just show you some early pictures. This is when she decided she did like me. And uh, look at that. Look at those cute young whippersnappers. One more there. Oh, what a stud. Wow, cheerleader on my side and all. That's Nicole and I. we high school sweethearts. Voted the, the uh, cutest couple our senior year, we're, and uh, we're proud of that. Um, but then we fast forward on, and uh, we get married. And, and our marriage is truly a testimony of God's grace, His goodness. We were facing divorce. I was abusive, and adulterer, and uh, just a mess. But uh, on this beautiful day, coming up here, there we are. Yep, June 28th. Changed my life, and one more. Look at that hottie. Yep, she's all mine, and I'm all hers. I told her last night, I was like, man, I am so attracted to you. You are so beautiful. I'm so glad I want no one else. And um, I'm so thankful that I'm in the season of my life. I don't have to worry about dating in this generation. (laughs) No offense, guys, if you are not yet found that love of your life, but uh, I'm just thankful I'm locked in. I'm done, I'm taken. So ladies, sorry, I'm taken, all right? But uh, anyway, that was, that was Nicole and I's wedding. It was exciting, it was fun, and uh, I wanna talk a little bit about that today. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a wedding and there's, a, there's a, a bride and a groom that I really wanna get into today. So why don't you turn with me to Ephesians 5.23. And uh, what we're gonna read is that we're talking about Jesus calling himself a bridegroom and calling us the bride, and, and I just believe this, like we're intended and God's, God's intention for our lives and, and this body and the body of Christ as a whole. Listen, listen, the church is not made up of a building and programs. The church is made up by its people. The church, the bride is the people, the bride is us coming together and we get to be this beautiful bride. And maybe, maybe he hasn't returned yet for his bride because we're not plump enough. Maybe we're just not big enough, there's still so many uh, unsaved people and, and pre-believers out there that, that they're just not ready yet, and maybe the Lord is just waiting to make his kingdom so much bigger and his bride so much more plump and voluptuous, all right? Or, or maybe it's still a bit dysfunctional. You know, it's amazing to me that the bride, we still bicker about things and denominations bicker about things and churches bicker about things when, when really the Lord has called the bride to come together as one you know, as in, as in unity and one accord and these things. So it's this beautiful thing that we get to be the bride. And, and, and guys, did any of you marry ugly brides? You better say no right now. No, we marry beautiful brides. And we better say that even with time, they're getting more beautiful and, and, and more amazing. And that's the thing about marriage is the longer we go, the deeper we get to be. The longer we go, the more mysteries we get to learn about each other, the more disagreements we get to have so that we can actually learn each other. Let, let me just say, sometimes a disagreement is only an opportunity to learn the heart of somebody else. Amen. Unity is not always agreeing, unity is actually agreeing to honor and love and value one another even when there's a disagreement, that's, that's unity. So we get to the body of Christ here and Ephesians 5.23 says this, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, good word. I'm not chauvinistic. I'm not going to stop there, ladies. And then it says, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit, should submit to everything uh, for their husbands. And, and a lot of people do stop there, by the way. Now, here's the most powerful part to me. And, men, this should be the most powerful part to us. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now now here's where Paul, he's he's using this comparison, and he's saying, Paul is sitting here writing this letter um, to to the church of Ephesus, and he's comparing the the body of Christ, the, the, the bride of Christ, to a husband and a wife. And it's this beautiful picture, because see, we have to realize that, that even marriage on earth was a gift given to us to represent the relationship between us and the groom, between earth and heaven, what was intended to be eaten all the time. So we have this gift given to us, and if you're married, you get to walk in this gift of marriage. And, and, and one of the things I've learned is, first off, we can't compare our earthly dads to the heavenly father. It's so dangerous. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is perfect, without blemish. He's amazing. He's got extravagant love beyond any human being and capability of here on earth. In the same way, some of you might be sitting here and your your spouse did something hurtful for, for you, or the marriage didn't work out, or you were part of an abusive situation. Listen, we can't hold our spouse to a regard to compare them to God. I, as a husband, should represent Christ in my marriage and represent the Father to my children as I long to be like Him. And as He's the example, and the the Word of God gives me this blueprint, the Word of God gives me these these examples of, of what I'm to be like and who I'm supposed to be like. Why? Because Christ gets in me and He becomes the hope of glory in all the people around me and in all of my situations and relationships. So, but here's the thing, we can't, we can't compare God to that spouse that left you, or that spouse that cheated on you, or, or these things, or even the spouse that's with us that's amazing. Why? Because God, as a, as a groom, is so much better than any example that we can have here on earth. He's without blemish. So then we get to the verse 32 here, and it says, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, 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 Paul is using marriage in, in, a, in a physical relationship between a man and a woman here in the context of the scripture, but he's, carrying, he's comparing it for the, for the purpose of the groom and the bride being the church, God being the groom. Go with me to Revelation 19. We're going to camp out in Revelation 19, 21 and 22, kind of the rest of the time here for about the next hour and a half, okay? Just seeing if you're paying attention. Verse six, 19, six says, then I heard again what sounded like the shout. Now, now let me give you some context here for what the book of Revelation is and what it's intended for. The book of Revelation was not given as a love gift to the John the Beloved as a fear tactic or a way to try to scare people into the kingdom, all right? We oftentimes in Christianity tend to use it that way to paint this judgmental, this, this judge picture of God being a judge and that if you don't turn, then you're gonna burn kind of deal, And and, and I'm not saying there's not truth in that, but the reality of this book is it was given to John the beloved, the beloved John of Jesus. It was given to him as an open vision of the glory of God and what heaven is and what the kingdom is and who God really is as a love gift, This thing, so if you actually read the whole book and not just the parts that's been quoted to us through our lives and through Christianity, if you read the whole book, God God gave John this open vision, this open heaven experience to actually see a glimpse of what heaven's really like. So, on several occasions, what he's seeing here is the bride coming together and worshiping the groom. What he's seeing here is four living creatures and 24 elders and hosts of angels, and he's seeing this beautiful thing of what worship is in eternity. He's seeing this beautiful thing. So, so on several texts here in, in Revelation 19, B1, he says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd of, or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him. And here we come to the place. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride has prepared herself. John is seeing this beautiful bride that's prepared herself, that is worshiping the groom. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet. This was an angel. He fell down at his feet, but he said, no. The angel said, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith. And Jesus, worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Listen, John is seeing this, this bride come together, and he's seeing this, this, this beautiful bride who's prepared herself. I remember on my wedding day, just a little over 16 years ago, and I remember standing up here, and I remember my wife and the doors opening at the church we got married in, and I remember Nicole coming in and how beautiful she looked, and I remember tearing up, and my dad, he, he officiated our wedding and married us, and, and my dad and I are standing up there, you know, you gotta have the hands crossed, and... Look good in my tux. And then she comes in, and all nerves, everything, disappears. Why? Because you see a beautiful bride who's coming down that aisle, who's then admiring her husband as the husband admires the bride. That's what the father, that's what the groom is doing today. He's, he's welcoming, he's, he's opened up the doors to this beautiful picture of, of what the bride looks like, worshipping the groom. And the groom is in adoration, worshipping and in, in, in love and wanting to be with the bride. So, so here we get to what marriage really is, and, and marriage is all about covenant. Marriage is, is about, it's, it's about this, this relationship between human beings or this relationship, most importantly today, between us and the father, us and the groom. And, and let me just, just tell you this, that, that covenant always precedes um, uh, the, the intimacy, and intimacy precedes physical relationship. God's intention was for us to be close. So when Nicole and I started courting or da- dating, when we started dating, we were going to Applebee's getting stromboli bread. They don't have it any longer. Sorry, you guys are at a loss. It was amazing. We were courting, we were getting to learn each other, we were getting to know each other, we were building intimacy. Let me just say this, and, and, and the kids who are left in here should be old enough. Intimacy is not sex. And we oftentimes get that confused that intimacy is sex, and we call that in our culture intimacy. Let, let, me, just, let me just be real with you that intimacy is what builds the heart connection and makes sex better, okay? If there's not the heart or the emotional connection, then a lot of times it's out of a duty or a deed, and there's just a physical attraction. Let, let me say that, that God doesn't just want uh, to, be, to be in bed with us. He wants to be intimate with us. God doesn't want to just welcome us into his inner chambers, which is actually later on, we'll get into this, but his bedroom chambers. He actually wants to invite us to the dinner table. He actually wants to be in communication with us. It's texting called prayer. It's messaging called prayer. Like that's intimacy. It's building that. And and when Nicole and I were talking and we were courting, you know, we're trying to stretch that long cord on the phone. Yeah, there was corded phones back then, folks. We're back there on the phone we're trying to like stretch that thing like you had like a 20-foot cord and trying to get behind the door and shut it and, and build this intimacy. That's building the connection. There was a time in the Bible where Jesus, he came, he was in Mary. And if you get to the end of the story, right before she gives birth, it's talking about Mary and Joseph. Now, now you've got to put yourself in this, in this situation and in that culture that she became pregnant out of wedlock. She was impregnated by God through through a virgin birth, but culture, what do you think they were thinking? They're casting stones. They're they're probably throwing accusations. But what was Joseph and her doing? Weathering that storm and building. Imagine the connection they must have had in their heart and their emotional connection. Imagine that, to to face all adversaries and all accusations. And then it says, they withheld, and then they got married, and they withheld from sexual relations until Jesus was born. That popped out to me as I'm studying that and I've read that over the years of of, listen, they were married, they didn't even have sex, why? Because God is more consumed with our intimate connection than he is about our physical connection. That's bonus, it's a gift, it's pleasurable, it's enjoyable and it has a purpose to bring oneness and unity in your relationship and it's fun, it's amazing. Like that's a gift that God gave us but there's something about this covenant, there's something about the covenant that God has given us not only with us on earth here, and covenant to each other, and covenant to be part of a body here, covenant to be part of a bride, that we get to do this together, that we never have to be alone. The covenant of a man and a woman, as God you know, prefers marriage, and as he's defined that, and, and as we get to come together with a man and a woman and a husband and a wife, and we get to do life together and do this journey and do this process and do this adventure that we call life, like it's a beautiful thing. But more than anything, it's this covenant between he and I and he and us. And here's what he does. He promises us eternal life. All we have to do is say, I do. Amen. He's only looking for our I do today. Like He's already done it. He did it. He already said the I do when he pinned himself up on the cross. But let, me, let me just expand before I get into five points of covenant. So, so here's the thing. In the beginning, he created all of creation. And then it says he was pleased. And it said it was finished. So from the beginning, and then he created a man and a woman because he didn't find it fitting for a man to be alone. and didn't want him to be lonely. We're babies. Us men, we're babies. We don't handle sickness well. Like, I'm the flu. I think I'm dying. I have the flu. I think I'm dying. Just take me to the hospital. I need, like, IV fluids or something. I don't do well alone. Like, when Nicole goes and she left to go to Cuba for a week, my mode of operation was Survive. The goal was that the kids got fed and we didn't have any emergency room trips. Mission accomplished. So she's out having fun with Jennifer and Leif Hetland and like going on the beach and I've got the four kids at home. I'm like, and then I'm like, wait, that's her every day. <laughs> but the thing is, it started with a marriage. It started with God saying, let us make man in our image. Let us make this beautiful picture of humanity as he's the groom and we're the bride. And then he created man and woman in flesh. Then all of a sudden, so he says, it's finished, and he, and, his, and he rested in his finished work. Then he's on the cross, and he says, it is finished. And then we get to the end of the book, and it ends with a marriage. It begins with a marriage, and it ends with a marriage. And anything filled in between is all about covenant. It's all about relationship. It's all about God saying, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. You see how amazing the groom is? He actually gives us a choice to choose to love him or not. We shouldn't have to force people to love us. I never had to force my wife to love me. I have, honestly, I did such gruesome and terrible things early in our marriage before Christ that I don't even know why she still loved me, but she did. I know now why. Because of this, because of her kids. There was more, there was more in that. But at the moment, I'm like, why does she still love me? She says this because she saw in me what God was seeing in me. She experienced the grace of God, so she was extending the grace of God, and simply, she made covenant with me. So we get to the five points of, of, of covenant, and the first one is, on our wedding day, we exchange these vows, and we, we, we make these commitments to one another, and what we're saying is that I will love Nicole for the rest of my life, for better, for worse, till death do us part, and just, just remember yourself there, picture yourself with your wife's hands, and and, and Nicole, her dad, walked her down the aisle, and then, and then my dad says, who's giving this woman to be married to this man? And, and Doug, my father-in-law, he says, her mother and I. And then he joins my hand with hers, and I'm like, oh, baby. And then we make these exchanges of vows, and what's happening is we're committing to be exclusive with one another. You know, God wants to be exclusive with us. He says, put no other gods before me. He's a jealous God. He's an all-consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He just wants to be number one in our life. He wants to be the number one groom, the number one father, the number one friend, the number one being in our life. Next is, there's always a symbol of covenant. Okay? And in the the biblical times, there would be an exchange. A daughter would be given to to a man. There would be land maybe given. There would be livestock exchanged and different things when you're making covenant. And and, in our wedding, on our wedding day, we we exchange rings. And you've you've been part of a wedding ceremony where where they exchange these rings. And and there's a lot of beautiful words around that, how they're a complete circle unbroken and representing the eternal love of Jesus in your life and, and all these things made of precious metal. They're not easily broken, they're precious, they're a jewel, they're, they're beautiful, right? In the kingdom, when he invites us in and we make the vows, now, now, now becoming exclusive, that vow just is really accepting Jesus into our heart and, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the vow, that's the commitment to make us exclusive. Then all of a sudden, the ring in the kingdom, the ring in Christianity, typically is, I would say, Baptism. So so we've asked them now, we've fallen in love, we've we've already had that intimate, emotional heart connection, now we've come down the aisle, we've exchanged vows, now it's time to seal those vows with a sign of covenant that we use for a ring. And the same thing in in our walk with the Lord and our faith is now we're going to do a public confession called baptism where just like a wedding, our friends and family and our church family get to be a part of that and we invite people to come see it and then we get to celebrate and they come out of the water anew, they come out fresh, a new creation. And it too is usually a circle, ours is. And you you go down and you come up a new person. It's the same thing with marriage. There's a sign of the covenant and there's, there's an outward sign. This in baptism is an outward sign of what's already happened in the inward heart. So there's been this confession, there's been this thing. Now you come out anew, you come out a new creation. And with that usually comes a name change. If you look through the word and you see Saul that was going down the road to Damascus who was preaching against Jesus, who was coming against him as Messiah, who in his own way would martyr people. And then all of a sudden he gets knocked off his donkey, he gets blinded, has this experience with, with, with the Holy Spirit, has this experience with this presence encounter and then he becomes Paul. Now my wife, she was Nicole Powell. Nicole Powell. I'll never forget that now. She gave up her name and honor, and submission, and and a symbol that that we're now gonna be one, and now she's Simmons. She's now Nicole Marie Simmons. It's in the same way that when Christ, when we come into him and we've we've exchanged vows, our heart's connected, and we're realizing now we're the bride of Christ. All of a sudden, we take on a new name. In in, in, in 2 Chronicles, it literally says that, that we take on the name, my people who are called by my name. We, we look at Paul where it says we're no longer known as slaves or orphans, but we're sons and daughters. And then it's also said that we're new creatures. Come with me to, to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, one through seven says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Again, John the beloved is seeing this beautiful picture of an open heaven. It says, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I can't help but but the craftsmanship of the Lord writing the scriptures to instill them in our heart and giving us these pictures, giving us these invitations, giving us his word, his truth. But the beautiful picture, what this is, a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. Verse three, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Isn't that amazing? There's no more sorrow. There's no more sickness. John's seeing this picture, and it says that the groom wanted to dwell with his people. God wants to dwell with you. Let let me get to that in a minute. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. Here's the end of the Bible. Here's the end of the book. Here's the end of the story. And again, it is finished. And he's saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. This is such a meat packed scripture and context. And what John is being revealed here by the father, he's he's, he's saying, listen, you're the bride, I'm the groom. I'm also the father and you're the children and you're gonna inherit everything that I have to offer. That, that's that's the, the very cool thing. But then it says, look, I'm making all things new. We take on a new name when we start walking with Jesus and we just ask him into our heart. All of a sudden there's transformation that happens and I'm no longer the Aaron I used to be before Jesus. I'm no longer the abuser or the adulterer or the liar or the thief or the, or the destructive man. Now I'm Aaron, the beloved child of God. Now I'm Aaron that's to resemble the bride of Christ. That's, that's the new Aaron. That's the new creature. It's no longer Nicole Pallas, Nicole Simmons. It's no longer Aaron. It's no longer Saul. It's Paul. That's the thing. When you take on the name, when you encounter his presence, when you encounter him and you actually tangibly get to experience him, all of a sudden there's this new realm of life. The next thing, as Nicole came down the aisle and we joined hands and we exchanged vows, we exchanged rings, the moment I've been waiting for, my dad says, I've confessed before man, friends, and family, by the power vested in me by the state of Ohio, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Aaron, you may kiss your bride. Oh, baby. I remove her veil had this beautiful veil, and, and then all of a sudden I can see her eyes, and I slap my lips on her lips. We kept it real, but we kept it clean. It was this beautiful thing. Listen, there was a veil that was separating us. There was a veil that was clouding my vision of who she really was. There was a veil that was separating that connection. Then all of a sudden when my dad said I could kiss her, I removed that veil and now I have all access to my now wife. Listen, let's go to Matthew 27, 51. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, from heaven to earth. And it says, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. 2 Corinthians 3, let's, let's quickly jump there. 2 Corinthians three sixteen says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's is what? There's liberty, there's freedom. And it says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. Do you realize you're intended to go from glory to glory, mountain to mountain, upgrade to gray, upgrade, faith to faith? That's the realm he's called you to. And here's what happened on Calvary in Matthew 27. He says the veil was torn. So, so Jesus is pinned up on the cross. There's, they put a spear in him. All of a sudden, everything begins to shake and the veil torn from heaven to earth. Let me give you some history that in the Old Testament, there was this veil or a curtain that separated the people from from what was behind that curtain called the holiest of holies. And only on the Day of Atonement could the high priest go beyond that place on your behalf to the Father. Okay? So so here's the symbolism. Jesus came to be a bridge. Jesus came to conquer death, hell, and the grave, but he also came to give you an all-access pass to the Father. My mom was raised Catholic, and my mom was, went to a Catholic school all the way through all of her school years. And, and here's the thing. I remember her telling me the most liberating thing in her faith life and her faith walk was that when she realized she didn't have to go through a priest to pray directly to the Father and that she realized that he didn't have any more power than she did to reach and access the Father. And why is that? Because a veil that once separated man to the holiest of holies through a high priest was torn from heaven to earth to give us all an access pass to the groom anytime we want. This isn't about a religion or against a religion. This isn't about that. It's about a relationship. It's about a covenant that God says, here's all of me. The veil is removed. And when you have an unveiled face, listen, you're meant to go from glory to glory. and All what's in heaven is you have an inherent right to on earth. More than three times in the Bible, it talks about the Lord's Prayer. And it says, pray this and pray like this. And in that, it says, kingdom come, let your will be done on earth, where? As it is in heaven. So pray this, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the thing. That veil actually torn from heaven to earth. Marrying... uh, heaven to earth, so that we can become one with the Father, one with heaven, so that as children, as the bride, we get access to to no sorrow, no pain, the things that Revelation is promising, but also saying, listen, there's healing, there's reconciliation, there's peace, there's joy, there's favor. Why? Because we're children. We get to inherit. We no longer are slaves or orphans. We can cry out, Abba, God, Abba, Father. It says that we are an heir to the throne we're singing up here, Abba, I belong to you. There's so deep with a the message, there's such a prophetic declaration there that Abba, I belong to you. The first service we're singing that song, and I'm like, man, I belong to him. I, I, me, me. No, no, to me at that moment, no one else was in the room. Like, I, I'm his child, I'm his son, I'm his beloved. I, I belong to him, he chose me. Before the foundations of the earth, he chose me, he formed me, he knit me together. And now, he's marrying me to be the groom and me be the bride to an all-excess pass to who he is. Let me finish this last point. Intimacy. It's the fullness of God and the glory. Listen, God is not calling us his girlfriend. He's not calling me, us, his, his, his fiance. He's calling us his bride. He doesn't just want to date. He doesn't just want to have a, a, a temporary state where we're going to get married, but we're not married No, it was at the moment of, of your conception, at the moment of your thought, at the moment of the beginning of eternity, he chose you and he wanted you forever. And he's not calling you girlfriend or, 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 or fiance. He's calling you bride. He's inviting you into the inner courts. The inner courts, the band can come. The inner courts is this. Listen, the inner courts is beyond what we're thinking. Okay, there's, you think of the tabernacle, and you think inner courts, outer courts. But listen, in many translations, the inner courts actually translates to bedroom chambers. God is calling us to be the most intimate place we can. Listen, here, here's the beautiful thing. When I knew about Nicole, it was cool. I thought she was cute in Spanish class, you know, all these things. I thought, thought she was funny. We kinda had this little flirtatious thing going on for a while. When I knew about her, it was cool. But when I got to be with her, it changed everything. All of a sudden, I began to fall in love with her. When we were with each other, when we were with each other in the same presence, all of a sudden, we fell in love. And we built this covenant, we built this intimacy, we built this connection that what God's brought together, no man can separate. Listen, that's, that's the exact thing that God's wanting for you today. It's the exact thing that he's inviting you into this relationship. There's this picture of, a, of an artist. We have this print in our house, and, and, and it's called uh, the, the, the Bride is Coming. The Bridegroom is Coming, I believe. Anyways, it's this, this beautiful picture of, of a bride, and you can see it there. The bride is worshiping the groom. And if you see in the beautiful gown and the dress, and I, I've shown this picture here before, but, but this is my favorite painting from one of our favorite artists, Janice Van Conkright. And, and she's been here before, and we, we just really like her. And, It's this picture of of the bride just worshiping the groom. And then that dress is made up of all these angels or these beings and and they represent the body of Christ. They represent you, they represent me. They represent us coming together to just be the bride. Just be the bride. If you you think about it, The bride's position is really to receive. I'm going to leave it at that, but a bride's position is really to receive. It's the groom that gives. It's the groom that gives. It's the bride's position to receive. Man, the groom has given himself. The groom, Jesus Christ, has given himself for us. The groom is not only given himself, but he's inviting us into the innermost course, the innermost intimacy with him. And he wants us to dwell in his place. Why? Because in eternity, he's wanting to dwell with us. He's wanting to dwell with us here. He's wanting to dwell in our hearts. And in eternity, he's wanting to dwell among us. That's what Revelation 21 just said. He wants to dwell among us. inviting us into this relationship, this covenant with the most secret places he says he withholds nothing for those who seek him man <laughs> revelation 22:17 17 says this, it says the spirit and the bride say come, let anyone who hears this come let anyone who is thirsty come Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life come. Like, this is an invitation. Just stand with me. This is an invitation to not be a girlfriend, not be on the outside, not be somebody looking from the out to look in, or not somebody saying, like, like he's distant. God does not want to be distant from you. God is not unapproachable. Like he's not this this being that's waiting just to judge you. He's a beautiful groom who's wanting to love his bride and be with her and be with her in his presence and have her in his bedroom chambers to be intimate and connected and have fun together. Like that's that's the beauty of the groom. It's the beauty of the bride coming together. Jesus's prayer to the Father in John. I believe it was 16, but in John he said like I and you and you and me. Let let me abide in you, God. Father, if only the world could see what we have. They saying, "Let us be one. Let us let the world see what we have. I and you, and you and me." Listen, yeah. so that's that's the invitation that we're one with the groom. That the bride, us together and individually, are one with the groom. Listen, there's a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of idiots out there that call themselves pastors. I'm just gonna be really real. There's a lot of people that have hurt, a lot of people in the name of Jesus. I was one of those, I got hurt by religion. So I became an atheist. I'm here to tell you right now, it is not about me. It's not about a man. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a religion. It's not about a denomination. It's about a bride being invited down the aisle to say I do to the most beautiful groom you could ever imagine. It's not about a rule. It's not about a theology. It's not about a doctrine. It's about a covenant. It's about a relationship. It's about a love that a Savior has for His children. That's what this is about. Listen, there's so many people that have been hurt. There's so many things that have been perverted. There's so many gifts that have been perverted. There's so many things that have been used and manipulated to get their own way or agendas. I'm not attacking the church. I'm not attacking anybody right now. It's not personal. I'm just saying it's not about that. It's about Him. He already did what he was going to do. He already gave himself to be a ransom for us. He already has the ring and the robe ready. All he's looking for for us is just a simple "I do." It's a simple yes. Here's the cool thing, though. It doesn't end there. If we think about the prodigal story, if we think about weddings in the Bible, if we think about our wedding, we we were at the Willow Tree Inn and we had this beautiful reception and let me just tell you we had a party it was awesome there was a party it says when one sinner repents angels in heaven rejoice so here's the deal you not only get to have the wedding you not only get to be with the groom now you get to celebrate and have a party for the rest of your life at your reception that's that's the cool thing I'm going to close with this story We were at this this beautiful wedding, and uh, there's a young lady that's that's close to Nicole and I. We've known her for about 10 or 12 years. Nicole and I, we started up a thing called Club 180 in the high school, and it's a character club, uh, Jesus-focused, but in the schools. And uh, she was one of the first girls that was into that and, and part of that, and so we knew her since she was a junior in high school. She went to college. She stayed up with Nicole. When she'd come home in the summer, she'd she'd, she'd have coffee with Nicole and and tell her about the school and becoming a teacher. Last year was her first year teaching. And so then she started to become part of our young adult ministry called The Gathering. And uh, she would bring her fiance Cameron. So Cody and Kelly Jones and Nicole and I, we took a double date to go to this wedding that was in Northeast Ohio, beautiful wedding, classy, good. It portrayed the love between them and the love of the Father so well. Jenna Nelson, she, her dad was ill as she as she grew in, in, as, into an adult, and he was paralyzed, and he eventually passed away a couple years ago. And so after the, the wedding was over, beautiful. and we're celebrating, they're cutting cake, they're doing all the fun things. These are the fun things we get to do with Jesus. So then they come to the first dance, and Cameron dances with his mom. Beautiful. His mom's crying. And it's this really nice outdoor place and we're on a balcony and everybody's surrounding them and then jenna had planned to dance with her mother since her dad had passed away and and everybody's just moved and it's this emotional thing you know because you're sad that her dad wasn't there but she looks so beautiful and she's such a precious beautiful young lady and and it's moved and then all of a sudden they're dancing to the song called butterfly kisses And they kind of said something before they played the song, before the dance started honoring her father and how much he would love and how proud of her he would be. And, And then it's a surprise, her brother actually recorded it and her brother was the one singing the song as her mother and her are dancing. And all of a sudden, this butterfly begins to just fly around them and circle them for minutes. And then all of a sudden it lands on her hand her husband comes to her now husband Cameron comes to join in and they're all three dancing together and then the mom kind of disappears and and her and Cameron are now dancing to the song Butterfly Kisses Us this butterfly rests on her hand for over five minutes the photographer is getting these things Listen, that's the signs that make you wonder. Do I feel like it was her dad reincarnated? No, but it's the signs that make you wonder. God is so tender and God is so welcoming and God is so approachable and he's so concerned, not just with your needs, but your wants. Like he gave Jenna a kiss that day, symbolizing from her father. Like he gave her that kiss, he gave her that special love to make her feel valued and special and just that that beautiful memory to honor her dad. Like it's this beautiful picture. And I just, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And, and God is inviting you to the first dance. Like the covenant's made, the vows are exchanged, the way, the rings are on your fingers, the veil's been removed. you you you're now, you're intimate, right? And now he's inviting us to this dance. So just, just close your eyes right now. And I want you to picture the first dance with the groom, Jesus, after your wedding. Just close your eyes and picture the dance with Jesus. He's smiling, he's gazing. Jesus is in love with you. He's admiring you. And he's, 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 he's amazing. And he's beautiful. And there's love. Now just put your hands on your heart. Just put your hands on your heart. God, we, we thank you for your divine romance. We thank you that you are our groom and that you call us your beautiful bride. God, we want to be one with you. We want to come into your inner courts. We want to come into your bedroom chambers. We want to be in your presence, and we want your presence in us. It's about your presence, God. It's not just about rhetoric. It's not just about words. It's not just about memorizing scripture, God. It is about an experience, an encounter. It's about your presence, God. Thank you that you choose us. I thank you that you choose us as your bride. I thank you that you choose us as your children. That we can cry out, Abba Father. We can cry out, Friend. We can cry out, Savior and Healer. We can cry out, Groom God. Thank you for this beautiful moment. I thank you for this love. I thank you that you've said, I do. You're just looking for I do from us. Thank you, Jesus. and if, if what I was saying, if you've never had that vow, that commitment, that covenant with God, if you don't know who Jesus is as Savior or His groom, I would love the opportunity to pray with you after we dismiss and love to introduce you to the most beautiful groom you'll ever meet on the face of this planet. He's amazing. He took an atheist and turned him in to a revivalist in an instant. He took a really bad dude like me me into something really special that's still in process, that's still growing, but I am so in love with the groom. I'm so in love with the groom that's marked my heart, that's put this ring on my finger. I'm telling you, that invitation is to you today, to walk down that aisle, to walk into a covenant, to walk into an intimate connection with the groom it will be the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced in your life. So if that's you, I, I invite you to stay and, and get to know your groom forever. We'd love to introduce you to him. Uh, may you be blessed coming and going. May you be the head and not the tail. May you be the lender and not the borrower. May you be blessed in the city and in the country wherever that might be from for you. God loves you. May his face shine upon you. May he impact you. May he encounter and your workplaces and your nighttime dreams and may you just experience the extravagant love of the most beautiful groom on this planet. Bless you guys. Have an amazing day. We love you so much.